Our first scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. There we go. I'm just so glad uh, to be with you to start a, a new year. Um, we, we had a good trip, but it's just always good to be back. It's good to be home. So I uh, just want to say I'm thankful for Joel sharing uh, the word last week. I, I love that I get to listen to it, got to hear it. And, and um, Joel, as you know, is a, a retired pastor. Is that the way you want to say it? Yeah, he's a retired pastor and uh, just did a, a terrific job of, of preaching through the story of Simeon and Anna and, and the beauty of the redemption that they had longed to see and were able to live uh, to see. So I'm just so thankful. And I'm so thankful that we have so many here in this church that uh, can preach or willing to preach. And, 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 I, and I say it all the time, but I'm just glad that you get to hear other people. So, you know, for the two of you who, like, I'm your favorite past preacher ever, uh, <laughs> there's only two probably, um, but every, you, you get to hear other people too at the same time. And so uh, I, I think that's important to hear, to hear others as they teach the scriptures. So but I'm so thankful, uh, Joel, again, for, for you to do that. Um, it has been said that uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And, and every time there's a need, there is someone with an idea to sell something to address that need. So it, it should come as no surprise that when uh, American soldiers went off to war, there was a company who tried to sell their families protection. And so it was in this environment that the Heart Shield Bible was born. Uh, in, in earlier wars, it had just been a thick-covered Bible, but during World War II, it was, uh, the idea was changed uh, to gold-plated steel. Not real gold, but just plated steel. You could uh, buy these little Bibles. I think there's a picture of an ad in one of the old magazines the Heart Shield New Testament. You could buy this for $1.87 at the time. Uh, you can see there it's reinforced with 20-gauge steel shield on the front cover. Is uh, There were different engravings. They didn't all just say, may this uh, keep you from harm. But you can see the appeal as you're a family member of a soldier who's getting to go off to war. Uh, these little gold-plated steel covered Bibles. Um, the idea was that they were, every you know, soldier's shirt pocket had a, had a left pocket, and there was a little New Testament to be worn. Just right in that pocket, it would cover their heart. 
And so here's just a couple of pictures of what, of what those looked like. Um, they were actually a, a popular thing. They were made in Racine, Wisconsin, in case you were curious as to where they were made. Um, now, anybody who knows much about military weapons knows that uh, a 20-gauge plate of steel that thin is probably not a whole lot of, of effectiveness uh, for, for modern weapons. But um, amazingly, through history, there are a few stories uh, through different American wars of these little heart shield Bibles saving a few lives. They actually did save a few people. And so I'm going to show you pictures of a couple of these. Uh, this one was for Leonard. Uh, and you can see uh, it went through, but it stopped. It saved his life. Uh, that bullet actually was stopped uh, by his little heart shield Bible. Uh, this was enough, another one. Um, this one, um, yeah, was the, it was the Catholic version. Maybe it was a little bit longer. But uh, that one actually saved his life as well. And, th- and there's a few different stories of things like that happening uh, that are pretty amazing. So I heard about uh, these little Bibles a few years ago. Uh, and so if you know me, you know that I like collecting historical things and Bible-related things. And this goes together, of course. So I had to get one. So, um, here is mine. Uh, I bought this several years ago. They've actually gone way up in price since when I bought one. Uh, thankfully, I got it when I did. I'm going to leave it down here if anybody wants to look at it. But you can, it's just a little, it's just a little pocket New Testament. Uh, Gideons would appreciate this, right? It's the same size as the Gideon Bible there. Uh, just fits right there in your pocket. So, anyway, I'll set that there if anybody wants to take a peek at that one. Um, I love the idea uh, somebody's family, you know, some soldier, his family gave him that. Um, and, and I like to, as I look at it and hold it and think about it, I, I just picture whoever, whoever had that little Bible um, cherishing it and thinking through, if it's ever needed, I hope, I hope it will protect me. If it's ever needed. Hopefully it doesn't isn't needed, but maybe it would protect me if so. Um, Maybe this little Bible would save his life. Now, you probably know where I'm going with this already, because you're clever. You know, this little, this soldier, you know, while he had this little piece of steel uh, on the outside of his Bible that he thought maybe would protect him and save his life, do you think that he realized that on the inside, the book had so much more value Uh, than that little piece of steel did. This morning we are talking about God's Word. Now, I I think we talk about God's Word every Sunday. At least I hope we do. I think we do. Uh, That's something that's important around here. But specifically this morning we're going to talk about God's Word and the importance of reading it, the value of reading it. And we will see why it is more important than some steel heart shield. And so, as we begin our time together, let's pray for God's guidance as we read His Word. Let's pray together. Father, would you guide us this morning in what we do and what we say as we study Your Word? May it come alive to us. May it impact not just our minds, but our hearts. Father, speak Your truth to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to turn to Psalm 
119. Psalm 119. We're reading verses 97 through 112. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. So here we are at the start of 2024. And one of the things that uh, I keep thinking about the last couple of weeks is, is growing closer to Christ. We've gone through Advent and, and the celebration of all of that, and then you kind of start to think, well, what's next? And for me, that question is, how do we grow closer to Christ? Now, I want you to notice I did not say, how do we earn Christ's love? And I did not say... How do we keep God from being mad at us? Okay? Because it's important for, to, to, to frame that well as we go into, into our topic for this morning. Those things aren't what we're talking about, of earning God's love or trying to keep Him from being mad at us uh, as we talk about Scripture. We can't make God love us by our behavior, but we are called to follow Christ. We are called to know Christ more and more. We are called to find our joy and our fulfillment in Christ more and more. And so we begin a new series here at the start of the year. And I hope you are uh, encouraged at the beginning of a new year to start a new challenge. I'm I'm calling this series the the basics of the spiritual life. Uh, If you would like a a different title, you can just uh, call it spiritual disciplines. Some people don't like the term spiritual disciplines. They don't like the word discipline. Um, It it can sound like a negative, can it? The idea of discipline sounds negative to some of us. Just like sometimes rules, as as maybe as we read Psalm 119, you kept hearing, I love your rules. Who loves rules? That sounds awful. Maybe we all have a little bit of rebel in us, right? Who says things like, I love your rules? but you have to understand what he's talking about, and we'll, we'll get into that. So, but as we talk about spiritual discipline, it might sound negative. It might sound, ugh, it's not something I really want to do. Um, but I don't, I don't want you to hear it as a negative this morning. That's maybe why I phrased it differently. The, the basics of living a spiritual life. 
because there's a positive attached to it. It's, it's, there's a positive that makes that a good thing. Because discipline, spiritual disciplines, or, or following uh, the ways of a, of a spiritual life is it, it, how we get what we want in our relationship with Christ. You want more joy? You want more satisfaction? You want more peace? You want more... All of that comes by growing in Christ. And the way we grow in Christ is having more and more of Him. And we use disciplines to get that. And so the, the verse that we're going to keep talking about over and over as we kind of go through this series, whatever you want to call it, is 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. And it says this, Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So, if you are a follower of Jesus, then your goal is to know Christ more, to glorify Him more, to be more like Him every day. We would call that process godliness. That's what Paul is talking about. And the way that we do that is to train for godliness. That's what he just said here in 1 Timothy. Train for godliness. Training is such a strong word, isn't it? What things in your life are you training in? Are you training for? Are any of you training for anything? Maybe you're learning a new job skill. Do you have trainings there? Maybe some new, new physical activities. You're, you're, you're learning some, a new workout. You're training in that. I don't know. But training is a, is a powerful word. And, and, and I'll skip all the, the gym and, and sports analogies, okay? Because there's plenty of them, right? They're just hanging out. They're too easy for us to talk about. But you probably know already, you don't excel in things. You don't excel in your physical life. You don't get stronger and better, you know, you don't get in better shape on accident, How do you get stronger? You train. You practice. You exercise. That's how we get better at anything. It takes purpose and it takes training. And growing in godliness, being more like Christ, is the same. It takes training. Which leads us to our passage this morning. You may already know Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Uh, It's got uh, 172 verses. It's also one of the most unique uh, uh, chapters in, in the Bible. Psalm 119, if you like literary terms, is an acrostic. You remember in English in high school, taking, uh, learning about acrostics, right? You would put the letters of your name, and then you had to give yourself an adjective for each of the letters of your name, or, or whatever. That's an acrostic. Psalm 119 is an acrostic of the entire Hebrew alphabet. What that means is that Psalm, uh, Psalm 119 uses all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It has 22. And in order, so like we say A, B, C, D, E, F, they have their same thing in Hebrew. It goes in order of all of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And each of the letters gets eight stanzas, or we just made them into verses. So the first eight verses of Psalm 119 are of the Hebrew letter equivalent to A, Aleph. And you can actually see that. If you look at your Bible there, it has the different Hebrew letters to show you. 
Uh, and so there, there they are. The first eight verses are in Aleph, and then it goes to, it looks like Beth, but it's Beit. Uh, and then Gimel, and it go all the way on and on, and it goes. And so each of the 22 letters of the, of the Hebrew alphabet have eight, get eight verses. That's where you get your number. Um, and each of, the, each of those stanzas, so each of the verses, starts with that letter of that alphabet. And so we really don't uh, and can't appreciate how beautiful and, and, and uh, poetic Psalm 119 is. If you looked at it at the, in the Hebrew, you would go, wow, this really is, is quite a work. And so our, our passage for this morning, which was 97 through 112, has the two letter, Hebrew uh, letters, mem and nun, which are m and n in English. And so all of 97 through 104 starts with the letter m, and all of 105 through 112 starts with the letter n, each of the stanzas. It's pretty cool. So, um, so n- you're probably thinking, that sounds like a poem. That sounds like an intentional poem. And it is. It's a poem about the beauty and majesty and perfection of the Bible. That's what Psalm 119 is. And so the point I need to make to you this morning that we find in Psalm 119 is not a new one, but it's nonetheless essential. Scripture is the foundation for pursuing godliness. It's the starting point. It's where we start. It's our foundation. You cannot grow in godliness without Scripture. If you like writing quotes down, there it is. You cannot grow in godliness without Scripture, or else you just go off in your own tangent without God's truth. You need Scripture to grow in godliness. So let me just quickly run through why we need Scripture, and then we'll discuss how do we go about that. So verses 97 through 100 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. For I uh, understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. We could just call this wisdom, right? We get wisdom when we read Scripture. And not just any kind of wisdom, not fortune cookie wisdom or anything else, but God's wisdom which is the only kind that matters. It's the best kind of wisdom. When we read Scripture, we get wisdom. Verses 101 and 102, we hear that Scripture keeps us from wrong. It says, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. Keep us from evil. If we skip down verses 105 through 107, we hear these beautiful words that you're probably familiar with. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Light and guidance comes through Scripture. And in verse 107, we learn that God's word actually gives life. It gives life. And so if we were to go through all of Psalm 119 we would be able to discuss the dozens of things that Scripture does for us, why it's so important, all of the values and and benefits of it. But I like the way that Paul says it, as uh, as Brian read a little bit ago in 2 Timothy. He summarizes all of Psalm 119. He says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
teaching, correcting, training for righteousness, equipped for every good work. Does that leave anything out? Is there any benefit then after it says that that Scripture doesn't have? Everything we need is found in Scripture. Which maybe begs the question, why aren't we reading it more? The statistics on Christians reading Scripture is not, they're not great. We don't read our Bibles like we ought to. Every one of us in this room included, I think. I know I'm included. Uh, as we go through this series, there's a, a, a book that I'm going to be using a lot uh, called The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by a guy named Donald Whitney. And, and it's, a, it's a helpful book through some of these things that we're going to talk about um, but he, just like everybody else who writes a book on spirit, uh, the spiritual disciplines, says it starts with Scripture. It starts with Scripture. If you want to grow in godliness, that's the place to start. If you and I want to grow in godliness, if we want to have a life of joy and light, if we, uh, if we want purpose and direction, you're reading your Bible is the, way, is the way to start. And I would say this, it's just like eating food. It, it requires consistent feeding. None of us eat once a month, and hopefully that sustains us. None of us eat once a week. Probably most of you don't eat once a day. Some of you might, but probably not. It's an ongoing, continual thing. Why? Because we need constant nourishment. We need constant food. We need constant intake. So, you know, doing just a big chunk of Scripture once a month, it's not what our soul is longing for. It's not the way to pursue godliness. We need to devote ourselves to regular Scripture reading. How? How? And I want to give you three things that are not new, uh, but maybe just hopefully reminders for you, uh, encouragements as you pursue uh, what you already know. So if we're going to commit to reading Scripture, their question is how. I'll give you three just kind of quick, um, quick reminders. First, you must find time. And, and I would say that more intentionally, you must make time. And, and I've said this before, but, it, but it's really helpful for me to remember our recreational lives include hours and hours every day of things like social media, smartphone usage, television, hours and hours. We've looked at some of the data of that. You know, five to seven hours, most of us are being entertained during our day. That's a lot of time. You have time to read your Bible. I have time to read my Bible. We have it. Unless you have a job that I'm not aware of, and, and you're on the clock like 20 hours a day, and you, I, I don't know that any of you are that way, you have the time. It's about priorities. It's about making time. We find time to eat every day. We find time to sleep. Do we, ha- do, do we find time? Do we make time to read Scripture? Do you know that if you read your Bible 15 minutes a day, you would read the Bible in a year? You could read the Bible in, a, in one year in 15 minutes a day. Hours and hours of smartphone distraction. Can you carve out 15 minutes? Can you make time for 15 minutes to do something that is the best 
thing that we can do. It's the starting point for growing in Christ. Can you find 15 minutes to do that? The second thing I want to tell you is to have a plan. Have a plan. A roadmap, if you will, to follow. If you just get up and think, what scripture am I going to read today? It's going to be hard to really get anywhere. It's going to be really hard to make progress on that. It's just hard. It just is. Um, last year, you guys maybe remember at the beginning of the year, I, I kind of made my own and I, and I handed it out to you guys if you guys wanted it. It looked like this, right? Some of them were blue and yellow. I think there were some even green ones, right? It just had, it was the New Testament and Psalms reading for the year. And somebody put this on my desk and I just thought it was really cool. It says, completed and blessed. And every one of the days was marked off. They did. I don't know if you guys did it too. Whoever this is, you can come tell me later. But that's really cool. Right? You need to keep this as a reminder that you can do hard things, as a reminder that you can set aside time to do the things that are important to you. And so, so this, is, this was last year's, and this year I want to do something a little bit different. I'm doing one that's not my own. Uh, it looks more like this. It's got some blue things on it. Um, I put them back there on the information table. This is called the five-day Bible reading program. Uh, and again, it's not my creation. There's a website, but they have a checklist. It has all the different scriptures, um, and there's two different ways to do it. You can read through all the Bible. Like I said, it takes about 15 minutes a day, uh, and, and, and they do it in five days a week because they say some people are busy on a certain day. Well, okay, there's a little bit of grace there. You can catch up. If you miss a day, don't worry about it. You're not behind. Five days. Uh, so you can do the whole Bible like that, it also has a way to just check if you just want to do the New Testament. So that's what we did. That was what I offered you last year. So if you're going, well, I'm not sure that I'm ready to read the whole Bible in a year. I just want to start with the New Testament. Still grab one of these. There's a way to do it. It's got its own little checklist on the side. And you just read the New Testament part uh, instead of all the others. So I would encourage you. This was one that might be helpful. There are bunches. There's, there's a guy named, there, a pastor named Robert M. Shane. He's got a popular one. You can Google and find thousands of these, and they're all different ones. This one's kind of chronological, which I like, going through the Old Testament, so it kind of keeps the, the events together to keep, help keep from getting confused about when was this happening and who and all that stuff. So um, anyway, I would encourage you to grab this, or if not this, find something else. Have a, a plan for your year to read Scripture. Um, so, okay, that's the second thing. Have a plan. Third, a- a- as you read, I would encourage you to be looking for phrases, looking for words, looking for verses that stick out to you. And then I, I, when you get to the end, reread it. What was that phrase again? What was that verse again? What was that word? Focus on it. Pray on it. How is God using that word, that phrase? Is there something, is there something there and use that, uh, you know, some people don't like the word meditate, but it's not an Eastern religion word. It's in the Bible. Meditate means to think about. Spend time thinking, meditating on that verse, on that phrase, on that word. What is God doing? Let it stew and simmer and, and let it work in you and change your life a little bit. Pray through that, that verse that, that meant something differently than maybe than some of the others did that day. And that's your, that's your kind of fuel for the day. Is there a change in my life that, that should be happening as a result of it? So that's what it looks like. That's training for godliness as you meditate on God's Word. So Scripture reading is, 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 is the most important thing you can do 
uh, the, it's the most important thing that I can do in pursuing Christ, in knowing Him more, in enjoying Him more, and having a more fruitful year. Start with reading Scripture. And, and we're going to talk about other things. We're going to observe other disciplines, other practices, other uh, spiritual acts that we can do uh, in the coming weeks. But it starts here. This is the foundational piece for us. And, and no matter where you are in your journey with Christ, if, you, if you're just trying to get to know Him more, if you followed Him all of your life, it's about Scripture, reading more and more Scripture, reading with a plan, reading with a purpose, spending time meditating on it, praying about it. These are the essential steps that we need to, to help us to be complete, not lacking in anything, equipped for every good work in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we, we have your word. Many of us collect them and have shelves of them, and they're all over our house and they're on our phones, and, and, and we have it. We have your word everywhere, but we neglect it too often. We discount its value and importance in our lives. We, we discount what it means to our relationship with you in knowing what you have said to us. You have given us your word and your will already. You've told us what you want. You've told us about yourself. We have it. Father, would you spark a new desire, a new passion in our lives, maybe that we've ever had before, stronger than we've ever had before, to know your word. God, may we not make up our own truth or create our own spirituality, but cling to the truth that you have already given us in your word. Because it is enough. It is enough for everything that we need in our lives. Father, would you renew us as we start this new year? And maybe where we failed before and we doubt that we could have the discipline to do it. God, would you shake off all of that? Would you inspire us in a new way? Would you give us purpose and intention in a new way? That we would know more and more of you by, by hearing your word. Father, I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.